are we talking about today, Mr. Fabian? Uh, so it's Christmas time, and in the spirit of the season, uh, uh, like the, um, the visit from the ghost of Christmas past, let's visit our ghostly Christmas past and reflect for a minute on um, the, the devil is in the retail. Uh, <laughs> okay. So you and I have had a mutual experience of working at Walgreens around Christmas time. And I, in just the time I was there, you were there a little longer than me, I saw it change quite a bit. Uh, and so let's take a look at that. Um, so when I started, it was probably 2010 maybe. And mm. we, uh, I remember actually I asked my store manager, so they calculate the square footage for the store, right? So they know how much will fit in here, right? And he's like, no. No, they, they calculate what we sell and what we can sell, and we manage it. I was like, They oh. calculate what we sell, what we can sell, and then they also add a little dose of, of wishful thinking. Yeah, a little, ra- <laughs> little razzle-dazzle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was from me in South Arkansas in 2010. Um, did, so it sounds like since you, know, you didn't uh, disagree, you had a similar experience? Oh, yeah. When I first started with Walgreens in july or yeah july we would start getting what are called bulk trucks of christmas products and it would be the big project would be what do we do with all of this stuff and i remember the first year that i worked uh christmas i was so proud that i took the entire bulk truck and i stacked it two layers deep from the floor of the stock room all the way to the ceiling of the stock room and this is that at that South School store, so that's I don't know, thirty feet high. Yeah, yeah. Two layers deep of just boxes. Damn near killed one of our assistant managers because she was walking by and she bumped something and the whole thing fell on her. Wow. <laughs> Which is probably one of the reasons why they changed how they did things. But it was like, yeah, six months before the holiday, you're gonna start getting two thousand piece trucks twice a week for a month to just jam pack your store with everything that you're going to quote unquote need uh, to make it through the holiday season with good sales and uh, just being as profitable as possible and completely stripping away any good feeling you had about the holiday growing up. (laughs) So when you say a 2000 piece truck, one thing that comes to mind for me is we used to, as we were receiving trucks, we would, um, do you remember gophers those little grabby hand things it's like a little robot arm and you squeeze the handle and it grabs something yes okay yes so when we would get one of those like each item that came off the truck when we got one of those like yay it's just a gopher or sometimes we would open a tote and it would just be like a tote is like a bin plastic you know bin a plastic crate like so one piece is one tote but sometimes the tote would only have one thing in it those were great the rice Uh, cookers when we got it, it was oh. like, oh, it's a rice cooker. I love the rice cookers. Thank God. But you open um, one, and it's all like coughing cold medicine. And you're like, okay. And it's so, jam-packed with, yeah. with like a, about $1,000 worth of product in one tote. Yeah. Um, so a 2,000-piece truck. Me, no, these were these were full-case trucks. So, so those so, are boxes. So 2,000 boxes. 2,000 boxes. 2,000 individual items that you have to touch with your hands and accommodate. Mm-hmm. Usually. Uh, especially the first year I worked for Walgreens, uh, one person dealing with all of that. How so? Like, so wait, so it comes off the truck, um, the, 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 the 18 wheeler backs up, 
you have you're there at what four in the morning you're pulling those off someone's scanning them with a little gun and you're stacking them all around the stock room but the one person their job is to find a place for it to sit until you can put work it out into the floor or until the season actually comes yeah yeah pretty much you you just had to find the space among all of the other products you didn't sell from last year and all the products that you received erroneously this year uh you just had to find a place for it like any anybody who's played tetris would be great at that job i just fucking hated tetris <laughs> you mentioned something about products that didn't sell last year <clears throat> and that strikes a chord for me uh repacks oh, what were those repacks um so you have products that uh that wishful thinking fairy dust that corporate sprinkles on your store uh ends up as repacks uh, all the shit that doesn't sell they don't want to throw it away. They don't want to do anything with it other than sell it. Well, you didn't sell it this year. You might sell it next year. So go through an hour-long process per box to put all of that stuff away for next year when you will open it and half of it will be broken, uh, out of date, or just otherwise unsellable. And the other half also won't sell this year because there's a reason it didn't sell last year. I remember there was some holiday that had these like fake scratch. I think it was Valentine's Day, had these fake scratch off tickets, and like and it's like a novelty thing where you scratch off the thing like oh you get a back rub, um or whatever, and I remember pulling those out on like the third or fourth year, and it started to really sink in. This is a waste of time. What's going such a, on? Such a waste of time. I'm really glad that they eventually figured out that it was a waste of time, but it took them years to get to that point. Uh, and those were years that I was doing incredibly dangerous things to try and protect protect this product that wasn't going to be profitable at all. Uh, like leaping from the top of one bay to the other or hauling a 40-pound box on one shoulder up a 20-foot ladder to the top and then... You know the step that it always says, this is not a step. Oh, yeah, that one. You definitely use that step, and then yeah. you use the bar on top of that. <laughs> you stand <laughs> on that to put the put the box away, uh, and then you pray to God that you're not the person who has to take, bring it down next year, but you know you will be yeah. because you're the only person who, stick, who sticks around long enough to still be uh. here next year. Yes, um, uh, back to school was always terrible about that because somebody would always overstuff a box with just filler paper, just notebook oh, paper. And it'd be like, this box is insanely heavy, and it's just a solid box of paper. Um, and it was the last one that got packed, mm -hmm. so you're putting that insanely heavy box on top of the boxes of, like, Valentine's cards or, depending on how sorted your stock room is, on top of Valentine's cards or, or other crushable things completely destroying every like five boxes below it and so what were risers risers were the bane of my existence <laughs> and i was so happy that i did not have to deal with them when i went to a quote-unquote simplified store uh, because i guess eventually walgreens realized wow this is a either this is a waste of time or this is a whole lot of liability because it requires somebody to be on top of a ladder throughout the entire store and people fall off ladders all the time so we're just going to do away with this in like a third of our stores uh every gondola which is a gondola is the thing that has the shelves on either side of it and so the gondola is the thing between the aisle that creates the aisle 
every gondola had these poles that you could pull up and then put a little stopper in, and then the pole could receive a little temporary shelf that you slot in there. Uh, except all of the poles were crooked. Uh, the little stopper things got lost constantly, so from one pole to the next, you would use a different thing to keep it up, uh, which would change the level by like just a fraction of a centimeter yeah, just enough. which was enough to keep it to keep it from receiving those shelves correctly so i've destroyed more than one riser shelf just try, like with a fucking hammer just banging on it just get the fuck in there i have i'm on the overnight shift i haven't slept in two days i have to get the i have to get the risers up on the back half of the store before morning before the store manager walks in and asks me why are those risers not up and i I'm not going to be able to say that equipment failure is the reason. Um, so, fuck you. Get the fuck in there. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, my. I think I broke a tiny bone in my hand. And you know what? Doesn't matter. Keep fucking going. And the entire time I'm, like, riding on top of a, of one of those little carts. <laughs> because the, the ladder... The ladder takes too long. You have to climb down the ladder, move the ladder three feet, climb back up the ladder fuck that just stand on top of a cart and you can like marty mcfly skateboard through the store uh except it's incredibly unsafe and if they ever caught you on if they ever caught you doing it they'd have to discipline you somehow but it was the only way and that was a lot of walgreens it's like hey here's rules you have to follow but also here are the expectations that you have to meet that you can't meet unless you break these rules that you have to follow yeah i knew one guy he had mastered the fine art of being on top of the ladder and then you wiggle it side to side you walk the ladder down the aisle so you can work oh, yeah, the you risers walk the, yeah, yeah you, you kind of like you stand on it and then you just shift it left right left uh -huh. right left right and you can you can walk the ladder down uh also incredibly unsafe yeah um, you're not supposed to do that with a ladder but if you don't do it you can't do your job effectively yeah. so kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week where it's like, hey, your safety is our top priority, so you, we have these rules. Also, you have to get this done. Uh, one thing, like th these two things, do not match. And it's it's that's the thing is it's easy to say those two sentences. Here's what you need to accomplish. Here's the safety you have to keep in mind as you do it. But in action, as you play it out, it really is an issue. And normal people, your average person with no training, really to um to help them cope with trying to bring those two ideas together, it's a compromise happens. It's, and it's not the person's fault. And this is kind of something that's coming to mind to me as, as I'm hearing you uh, reflect on this and the fact that you and I were, what, six, seven hours apart in our locations. Yeah. We have this very similar stories. And I've gone on to, like, different forums and read other people's stories, and it's uh, it's uncanny because I thought the stuff that we were doing that was the um, inventive, cut a corner, but get it done kind of way was something we made up on the spot. But what actually is happening is something in the conditions of the process, the system, what the, the conditions of what they gave us to work with facilitated and created the, that as the solution. Yeah. What, and that's something I, mean, I would be fascinated to see like a process analyst go through and look and say, well, here's why this was a commonality among all these places across 8,000 stores. This is just what people would do. I, I'm, I just, it's, it's uncanny. It still just strikes me. 
you, you, you cannot get this accomplished and follow these rules. So people will break all of these rules in pretty much the same way because people are people and nobody's all that unique. So right. like this doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be a thing that a meme kind of thing. It doesn't have to be shared from one person to the next. It's just like, these are common solutions that people will come up with because we all have the, the same thought process of processes in the end. Uh, and this is how people will get hurt. And this is how you will have to pay out for all the, uh, the hospital time and stuff that you want to avoid. So eventually they kind of started to figure that out and they started to do away with risers. Also, they realized, wow, maybe that wishful thinking fairy dust that we kept sprinkling on these stores was more costly than it was profitable. Uh, so, you know, to their credit, to their credit, by the time we, we left Walgreens, like they had changed quite a bit for the better in that regard. Just not expecting people to do crazy shit. Like I remember when I, do you remember setting the risers, like the products on the risers? Yes. When I started and for years after, uh, I was packing toys from basically the basically riser level all the way to the ceiling of the store. Right. Yeah. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, I don't know, this doesn't seem safe. This doesn't seem like a good idea. And the store managers are just like, do it anyway. We have to get it out of the stock room. Do it anyway. And I'm just like, I don't know, this doesn't really match up with common sense. I agree. Yeah. But I did it. Uh, and then last few years before we left, it's like maybe maybe somebody like me who thought that that was stupid finally got into a position where they could say, hey, this is stupid and <laughs> we're going to hurt somebody. And they put the kibosh on that. So it's really strange, though, because yeah. there were store, to give them a little credit. There were store visits by people that were in charge of all the stores in the state. They came to locations and they saw those things for years. And there was mm -hmm. so it's almost it's almost hard to look back and think what was missing at the time. Was the world different? I mean, I know like now um, people like to use that story about the lady that burned her lap at McDonald's and talk about frivol frivolous lawsuits and how mm -hmm. um, before because stuff like, McDonald's has an incredible PR department. Yeah, that completely. They completely fucked that lady when that lady complete that lady deserved more than what she got. Yeah. Do you know whether yeah. do you know why their coffee was actually so hot? Yeah, um because they knew that people were getting their coffee in the mornings before work and then it would get cold by the time they got to work before they by the time they finished their commute. So they were setting their coffee to be incredibly hot when you got it so that it would still be hot when you got to work and were actually drinking it. So, uh, oh, and then I learned a slightly uh, an extra step to that. They offered free refills. But if your coffee was 300 degrees, you would have to wait until you leave the store before you can even drink it so you wouldn't drink more coffee for free, which makes it even more nefarious. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, corporation's going to corporation. And before that was a popular story, though, the world was fine with insanely hot coffee and and it just wasn't a thing. We just didn't look at the world in these kind of dangerous ways. Just like before the 1970s, seatbelts were kind of nebulous. 
Um, it took an actual effort, and people people fought seat. There was a portion of the population that fought seat belts the way that people fight masks now. There are people that yeah. thought it was silly and dumb and inconvenient. And actually, I think seatbelt laws didn't even happen until what the the late nineties, or maybe later, where you could get a tick ticket or ticket. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's still and pretty fucking new. W- were you there in the the meeting where our district manager uh, kind of bragged about not wearing a seatbelt? Yeah, and uh, dri- yeah. driving fast. He he bragged about not wearing a seatbelt and driving fast and getting pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt, and then he went and fought it and blah blah blah. Uh, I don't know, just kind of letting you know, like or a reminder of like, oh okay, that's old school, dude. So and so that uh, that kind of connects to it as far as like there's an old school mindset of oh it'll be fine, like you know the grandpa that sees a little kid fall off the bike, he's like I oh, just dust it off, put some dirt on it, whatever. Where instead of the helicopter parent, that's like, oh, are you okay? Let's get some vaccine. I, I think a lot of that old school thinking is wishful thinking. Like, kind of like corporate stuffs our stores with a bunch of stuff that won't sell because they hope it will sell. Uh, we did away with a lot. We did away with a lot of that, but that was still that wishful thinking would also seep down to our managers at like our old school managers, our old school district managers. Oh, it'll be fine. We'll sell it eventually. Uh, kind of, you know, if we believe it hard enough, it will be true. It'll be safe. Cause it'll, uh, it can't happen here. Blah, blah, blah. Motherfucker. I had to deal with, there, there was a lady who twisted her ankle in my store once and I had to deal with the whole rigmarole of submitting a report and some like sending emails and submitting a fucking video evidence of this lady because there was a skittle on the floor and she was in stiletto heels. Oh, wow. That's a perfect storm. Her stiletto landed on that skittle, that tiny, tiny little thing, little piece of roundness on the floor that stiletto that one point of contact with the floor landed on that skittle and it skidded out from under her and she took a spill and she twisted her ankle and i had to deal with that for months and she was gonna sue she was gonna sue us she was gonna like try to come after me personally it was it's fucking crazy because of one skittle i don't have time for your wishful thinking i don't i don't have the the patience anymore for your attitude of, oh, it'll be fine, when I'm piling two-pound boxes 20 high to the ceiling, looming over the toy department where people tend to leave their children as, like, a daycare while they wait for their prescriptions. Okay, I remember also on the front wall, and this went away after a while, on the front wall where there's, like, windows, and uh, there's electronics and magazines and cigarettes, there was, I guess they called it a cornice, and so it was, like, basically a shelf that you could Im- improvise and use. And we would stack toys up there. And that would be stacked with toys. And then on an- oh, yeah. another side wall, uh, a cosmetics wall. So it's, you know, of course, all the different lines of cosmetics. Same kind of situation instead of a, a gondola, which is, you know, it doesn't, you have to build shelves on top of. This just had a shelf on top of it. It was another cornice. And Except so we you, would- you, when you're climbing up there to put the products up there, you're looking at it like this was not meant to hold weight. And I'm about to put 30 pounds on this thing. <laughs> yeah. And it was just uh, it was just this shelf. It was a flat surface. You just turned it into a shelf. So that was there. And then over on the, the risers, over all the aisles and toy aisle, 
there were all of the toys you would stack literally to the ceiling. And then um, at the end of each aisle, you would take some of those toys. So like, you know, the little, it's like a little um, fishing game where you've got the crappy pole and a little piranha yeah. mouths and it spins around yeah. and each one st- rises up and snaps. Okay, so just trays and trays and trays and trays of those. So each tray has like 10 of them. You would stack them like three or four high at the end of each aisle on each side, which is not really ADA compliant when I think back to it. And then so and or RC cars or some other toy at the end of each aisle, you'd have stacks of those. So there were and you all- would spend days stressing about making sure that all of these toys were stacked exactly right so that they were level across the entire riser. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't have as much of that. That was an NWA thing. We didn't have the roller coaster, what they would call it. We, that mm-hmm. we didn't have much guidance on not doing that. But Oh, no. Like, I would go to other districts, and I would be looking at the risers and just go, like, what the fuck is going on here? And we did not get that communication. But then I think back. Buying habits had to be different because that stuff would most it would mostly sell. Somehow, that volume of all those crappy plastic toys was added to the store. And I know, like, after Christmas, it would all go on clearance. And so maybe people were buying it super cheap and reselling it on eBay. I'm not really sure. But they were sending all that crap, and then it was it was going somewhere. And it was not good stuff. People weren't just snapping it up because it was these were the best deals around. But when I think back to Black Friday, when I first started at Walgreens, Walgreens, <laughs> they offered, like, the, um, the register rewards. So if you buy yeah. a, a package of this product, you'd get a $1 register reward, which worked like a fucking dollar bill. And I would mm-hmm. see these ladies come in, and they would game it. They would hustle it. They had the little weekly shopping ad with all the promotions. And, well, if you buy these kind of peanuts, you get a $2 register reward. And so they would mm-hmm. buy all this shit. Or are you talking about register rewards, or are you talking about Jingle Cash? Separate, separate. Yeah, this is uh, Jingle yeah. Cash started in December. I'm, I'm specifically, in my mind, wandered okay. to um, Black Friday. And so they would load. And this was weird. I remember a year where these ladies were in a, in a uh, I would say clan, a troop, and they had like four buggies a piece, and they were doing separate no, no, it transactions. Was, it, it was a clan. It was a Karen clan. <laughs> Good, yes, a Karen clan, and they were doing separate transactions, and they were getting all of these register rewards because, like, if you buy this toothbrush, you get a five dollar register reward, which makes the the next thing you buy come out free. Did you, and you guys? Know that- do you, you know that, that that shit was just going was just going down the street to the next Walgreens to get returned? Was it? You you fucking know they were well, just buying the shit, getting the register rewards, and then returning it, which is one of the reasons they went to the whole balance reward points instead. Uh, so in our because in, they could invalidate those points if you returned the thing. So in our area, each Walgreens is like a forty-five minute drive apart. So I think maybe they were reselling it or they were like stocking it up and using it for years because that wasn't a, an efficient way to do it. Although that does make sense how they switched from those handing someone basically your own mon- money that your your Walgreens funny bucks that you're printing up at the register to go to the points thing, which is you then you're in control of it. Wow. I hadn't, I hadn't put that together. Because in any metropolitan area, you're going to have a Walgreens. Walgreens are like. Starbucks. I think yeah. Fayetteville had five of them, yeah. four of them. In Northwest Arkansas, there are fifteen stores for three towns. Yeah. What are the the farthest distance between them is maybe thirty minutes. If I go from maybe South School to Asylum minutes. Springs with traffic. Yeah. Like yeah. So 
in in our area, yeah, they buy a, a an electric toothbrush, get a five dollar register award, and then you could count on the next Walgreens over getting that toothbrush as a return. And of course, we had that whole policy where like you don't turn down returns. Oh, no. uh, oh you so just take care of the customer. Oh, fuck that fucking policy. I have some insight on a little bit of um how that was working on the other end. I know a oh, guy. Yeah? I know a guy. Um, cool guy. And he uh he's an entrepreneur. He's done various forms of entrepreneurialism in his Are we years. Talking about Billy? <laughs> <laughs> no. Different okay. different guy. Billy knows this guy. Um but oh, yeah. he had somehow gotten connected with people that would um shoplift from Walgreens and then because of the policy is so basically you can just it's super easy to shoplift from there. Um oh yeah. And then they would go back in and say, my grandma has Alzheimer's and we're trying to take her debit card away from her or get it shut off because mm-hmm. she just comes out in here and she buys oh, stuff yeah. she doesn't these, need. These, are, these it, are similar, yeah. yeah it would I've give you the whole story. story and not, yeah. not necessary. And so you'd stand there and you'd have to return all this stuff and it would be easily $70, $100, $200 worth of products because they knew what to get. A, you know, a $30 little bottle of scar cream uh, mm-hmm. It's easy to pocket. The bio oil that's 20 bucks. Exactly. Yeah. And they knew it, and they were good at it. And you hand them a gift card and a receipt that has, what, $200 on it. So what they do with it, there's a website called, I can't remember what it's called, like UpLive or Up, Up, UpRise. Or I wouldn't want to give them the... I w- Right. I can't remember. Maybe two people will hear this. I still don't want to even give them that much publicity because fuck this website. Either way, I can't remember, but there's a website where you can go and you can sell your gift cards. So if you got one for Christmas legitimately, but you don't ever shop at Bass Pro Shop or you don't live near one, you could sell it at a discount. So if it's a $100 gift card, you could sell it for 80 and somebody would be incentivized to buy it because they get like 20 bucks free. So it's awesome. But what happens is these shoplifters that have now acquired a $200 gift card free, they would turn it around, and they don't want to sell it on a website. They just want cash for whatever they need cash for. So they go to a guy, and that guy gives them 50%, maybe 60 And fine, mm-hmm. they got cash, easy, easy money. They're just going to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But now this guy, once he knows all these people that do this, He's getting you know a hundred dollar, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars at half price. He goes on the website and sells them at eighty five percent of their value, and he's still making money. And he's not having to do anything. He just got people coming to him, and he just happens to be the guy that has cash in hand. And not realizing it's that business. What, what they're doing, what they're doing is a job. It is, yeah. They're, they're doing a job. Like they're spending as much time as the fucking coupon Karens on this thing. If they just got a job and did legitimate work and then earned pay, they could still make that same amount of money. You know what? They probably had decent jobs, but you know why people leave most of their decent jobs? Shitty managers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a refrain <laughs> that I've I've refrained. That's a refrain that I've heard many, many times at Walgreens. It's not the pay, it's the manager. Which I was like I, I always hated. But you know what? I left Walgreens and I'm working. I've got a job that pays 20k less a year now. I'm so much happier. Uh, then again, it wasn't the manager. Uh, I was sure to let Wayne know, like, no, it's not you. Yeah. It it's the thing that you have to do to be doing your job that I can't stand. If he if he like taught classes for something, I would sign up. 
just to get the oh, feedback. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd, I'll be all in. Yeah, like if you were a motivational speaker yeah. or, yeah, like I don't know, we're we're, we're kind of trashing Walgreens, uh, and Wayne comes up because you know Wayne was Walgreens for us, and so I just wanted to be sure to be like, you know, Wayne was Wayne was awesome. Yeah, he actually did the job. He he did he did the job that was required of him. It's just unfortunate that the job that was required of him was antithetical to everything that I believed in. Yeah, Wayne Wayne is fantastic. I know a lot of people had complaints about him, but I think a lot of those complaints come from them not understanding that he's doing his job as is set before him by the people above him. Uh, so he's doing the absolute best that he can with the constraints that he's got. But anyway, uh, if I can uh, offer a little direction to this for a second, what would you be doing right now if you were still at Walgreens? Oh, my God. Oh. What would your life be like right now if you were still working at Walgreens this Christmas? Uh, That's a big thought. Not a big question, but it's a big thought. Because um, the year that I left Walgreens, I made a commitment to make my life as different as possible. That was the stated goal. And um, and I, to a degree, I accomplished that. Uh, my, my goal for next year is to improve my life as much as possible. But mm-hmm. um, if I was still there, I maybe would have stepped down from store manager uh, I can't imagine that I would have succeeded in any way, shape, or form because I not, I think I've discussed with you about having ADHD, and back then, I even then I was on Adderall, but it was the wrong treatment for it. It did not work. It did not help. It it I, I felt like I was a person on Adderall, and that was that was what it was. It had that effect. It was effective, but it didn't help the problem. And the problem wasn't even just the ADHD. That was. Um, what exacerbated it, but I lacked self-discipline, and I, there was the tornado was spinning too fast for me to get my feet under me, and um, and then once that was a uh, a pain point for other people, then they had good reason to start kicking my feet out from under me as well because I deserved it, and to a degree, you know, um, mm-hmm. I was not doing them any favors. Uh, I, was, I thought I was, I attempted to, I believed to some degree I was. Um, so when I think about would I even still be able to be there? I don't, I can't even see that. Like some, it was to the point, something had to change. So if I at all was still there, the only scenario that would have been possible was I would have stepped down from store manager and, um, in which there's not shame in that. Like there is the con, the, like the, um, what is it in, in, um, Pulp Fiction? I think it's like, yeah, you know, that feeling, it's your pride talking to you. Like it would have been that mm-hmm. it would have just been my own sense of ego or s- deciding that I have failed. But I think in the last episode, I also talked about the guy, Mark, who decided in training, he did not want to be a manager and he's walked yeah. away and how I respect that. I, I would like to think that at some point I would have reconciled that for myself and seen that, you know, I did shine as an assistant. I did shine when I had, when I could just be in the mix, when I didn't have to be the guy that's planning everything when I was just in there fucking throwing punches and putting out fires. Some uh, people make better sergeants than generals. Yeah. Kind of thing. And that was me, dude. I mean, I could I could just go in. Like, uh, I went into a store the other day. I do, like, I have this part-time merchandising gig 
which I keep because every year around Christmas, they get real desperate to get some of these jobs done. So they'll pay you $200 to drive to Tulsa and open up boxes of fresh flowers and put them in a stand and then you just drive home. It's like 30 minutes of work. It's ridiculous. Why have you not told me about this before I, now? I'll, I'll hook you so up. That I... it's, <laughs> okay. uh, they were actually looking for referrals the other day. Um, and so uh, the other day I just had to go and put in um, some fireworks. I had to, it, and it's really hilarious because I have so much fucking experience at this shit that being asked to go do it when I walk in, all of the sh- the LODs, the leader on duties, they like to see me because I don't ask a lot of questions. I, all I need to know is where my shit is and where you want it. And then I'm good. And they've actually kind of told me, yeah, we like working on duty. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we like working with you, man. We're glad to see you. What, what are you doing now? You're not here very often. I was like, I started a business, but I'll come here every once in a while. And I went in and I was pulling this pallet full of fireworks through and I just got in gear, like s- something clicked and I was so hyped and I missed that feeling. It was so brief. It was, it was weird to feel. I was like, Oh my gosh, I just want to take off running and just knock all this stuff out that doesn't it's not even my job but i did miss that so to answer the question if i was still there i would have probably taken a step down and i probably would have been real happy and i would have felt like a winner again i would have felt like i'm the best assistant that you could possibly have you're lucky to have me rather than feeling like i'm sorry i'm your manager (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so hypothetically uh if i were still at walgreens i'm thinking um, or if you were still in the position that you left at, at Walgreens, uh, what would your life be like right now? Uh, just for people who haven't worked at Walgreens or haven't been in, in retail, I don't know if it's unique to Walgreens even, um, right now I would have worked the pre the past three weeks, uh, with maybe one day off a week. Oh, I forgot about this part. Oh shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, um, so right now, uh, it is December 23rd. Uh, I'd have worked for the previous three weeks at least um, with one day off a week, maybe Sunday, each day being at least nine hours. But really, it's like, hey, you only have to work nine hours. But again, back to those expectations, the expectations we have on you are that you get all of this done. So really, you're going to be working 14 hours. We're just not going to say that because your salary and we don't want to we don't want to seem like we're taking advantage of that. But yet we totally are. So I'll have worked for 14 hours a day for the past three weeks, maybe one day off a week, covering for any amount of call ins, uh, trying to me personally. I worked a lot of hours as just a key holder just to give my shift leads a day off to try and keep their morale up during the Christmas holiday, because during the Christmas holiday, that's when you're supposed to be with family and blah, blah, blah. So we're behind, but at the same time, you know what? You need this day off. You can have this day off. It just means that I'm going to be working a 16 hours day, hour day that day. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Cause you're way more valuable to me, happy than pissed off and, and disengaged. So 16 hours, it's, it's fine. That's fine. Oh, and I'll do it tomorrow, too, because somebody got sick, quote unquote, uh, and called in. And then, oh, the one day off a week that I've got shit. Somebody was in a car accident, quote unquote. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess I'll get called in on my day off and I'll, I'll work that day, too. Sure, it's fine. I'm just the store manager. It's whatever. I'll fill in whatever gaps because Walgreens knows that 
like Walgreens put me in this position because I've been doing that my entire career, just filling in the gaps. I've, uh, I think a lot of the time, uh, people who got promoted to store management were not just the people who were best suited for the jobs. They were the people who have shown over and over again that they're willing to fill in the gaps that retail needs. Yeah. Or retail has so often because retail is unforgiving and retail has no room for human fallibility or weakness or error. Uh, sure, I'll fill in. I'll, I'll, I'll be the mortar. You just spackle me over whatever hole in the schedule. Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll have done that. I'll have stressed out for three months previously on whether or not my risers are level. Uh, I guess that wasn't just an in, a Northwest Arkansas thing. I'll have stressed out for the, for three months previously over whether or not my risers are level and then keeping them that way because that product sells down. So you have to constantly be tetrising and like rearranging stuff. And, oh, shit, here's another thousand-piece truck. I got to get all that in. And then by Christmas Day, which they actually gave us off because our overtime was too, like, it, Walgreens did nothing for any of their employees out of the goodness of their hearts because Walgreens is a sociopathic corporation. Any corporation, and this is not just Walgreens, any corporation can be relied on to behave and to have the expectations of the most sociopathic individual you can think of because all they care about is profits, uh, money, what you can do for them. They give no fucks about anything else. So when they gave us the holidays off, that is a cost cutting measure, not anything that they're doing for me as a person. So you work your tail off, you stress out, you make Christmas happen for other people while completely neglecting it at your own home. You, you are this you are Santa's elves you're making Christmas a possibility for people uh, and then you get Christmas day off and what happens on Christmas day you try to spend it with your family you try to have a good time but the entire time you're thinking man tomorrow is gonna be a fucking nightmare where I'm gonna have to work another 14 hours a day for the next week to reconstruct to try and get the store flipped from Christmas to normal so the entire holiday leading up to during and after is completely ruined the the shine the any shine about christmas that you ever had from tnt specials from any uh feel good charlie brown bullshit all of that is rubbed away and you are reminded every year that you work in retail or work at walgreens you're reminded no it's not about that it's about money because 25% of your, your of your, of the money you make in that store is going to be made in the two weeks leading up to and after Christmas. So, no, it's not about family. It's not about the goodness of people. It's not all of that holiday special bullshit is exactly that. It's bullshit. It's about money. And that's what Christmas at Walgreens is like. I remember uh, when I got hired, it was in the summer. It's like July. And then that Christmas was my first Christmas at Walgreens. And I had Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and December 26th off. And uh, on Christmas Eve, like I'd, of course I'd been working a whole bunch, and I was an overnight shift lead, and my brain was fried from my circadian rhythms being out of whack. And, um, but I was so happy. I went to my mom's house and had my kiddo and my wife and everything. And, and I laid down on the couch, I think. I could make okay. Yeah, I was laying down on the couch, 
to like click on the TV. Like, fuck yeah, I'm going to relax. I've got a Rice Krispie treat. This is great. And then you get a text message from your boss. A phone call. He straight up called me and, uh, and store manager. And he said, uh, he's like, Fabian, where are you? I was like, I'm off. And at this point, like the town I was in was probably like an hour and a half away from the store. And where my mom lived was an hour and a half away from the store. And, uh, and he was like, no, you're not. I was like, that, that, that's what the schedule said. And so he's like, let me go check. And he, I can hear his footsteps. He's walking. And then he gets to the schedule and he says, huh? I was like, yeah, I'm off, I'm off today, tomorrow, and the next day. He's like, well, I'll be, well, I enjoy it. That's the last time that'll happen when you walk, while you work for Walgreens. And he, what, he wasn't <laughs> being a dick. Like he said it kind of happily, but also like flabbergasted. Um, but he wasn't like, like being a shitty, like that's the last time he wouldn't like that, but he was right. That was the last time that shit happened at Walgreens. It was the last Christmas I had that felt like, Oh, I'm not just like holding my breath underwater and then I take a little breath and then then I'm holding my breath again. It was like, Oh cool. Christmas Eve. We're going to like watch a movie and, make some cookies and put sprinkles on them. And then, Oh, we're opening presents. And then, you know what? I even have another day to like play with my kid and their toys and all of that. Never, never happened for like what, I guess 10 years again. Um, Life life is different now. Yeah. Oh man. Like now. So that, that was our life before. Uh, And this year it would be even worse because can you imagine the additional hassle and stress of COVID working in a retail pharmacy? Oh man, I uh, I'm I'm so grateful that I am not there now. When you had mentioned when you had mentioned uh uh before about what would you be doing if you had not left a previous job, it actually made me think about what I would be doing if I had not left previous previous jobs. Like, um, and it, my first thought was like radio. Like, what if I'd stayed at the radio station when I was seventeen? Because um, the guy, the station manager, Ken, uh, he had started when he was about that age, and he stuck with it, and he just had a career in small-town radio, and he bought the station at one point, and uh, now he's retired, and we're friends on Facebook. He's very Republican, but I, and we wish each other well from time to time. It's really cool, and I look back, at again, I have no idea why he hired me, like why, I mean, why he's even nice to me. Um, or remembers me like he had to have hired so many countless young people and I have Billy actually worked at the radio station for a little while his mom worked there um, mm-hmm. and so I, I could have easily have stuck with that but what I think uh, when I let my mind wander about it I actually thought about what if I'd stuck with the first thing that I'd really gotten into like when I was a kid I wanted to draw comic books and uh, like in third grade I has my first memories is of really drawing and getting attention and uh until I started playing music, that was what I spent all of my spare time on because it really gave me that attention and valid self-validation. And I felt like I was, this was my thing. And although I did get discouraged at one point because um, people would talk about, oh, you could be a commercial artist, a commercial artist. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess that's how you make a job out of it. Like, you know, draw, that's where the money is. Yeah, draw Tony the Tiger draw. with like different poses, I guess. And draw, uh, draw what other people tell you to draw. Yeah. Oh, this this box of cookies needs a label, and um and so that didn't really ring a bell with me. And art people talk about architect, and I didn't give a shit about architecture. And then in one of the um, comic book magazines I was reading, they were talking about 
um, how people would take their art to get um, criticized. They go to comic cons, which were smaller back then, and you you have somebody review your art, you know, and you get their autograph and you buy their comic book and stuff and show them your your portfolio and they give you pointers and tell you how good you are and you hope they give you a job on the spot. That's the dream. And one of the mm-hmm. guys was like, you, you have to realize that this is like professional sports. The people that actually draw the comic books are like the NFL. They don't just draw know how to draw people with muscles and costumes. They can draw a telephone better than you can draw a telephone. They can draw an ink pen better than you can draw an ink pen. So unless you can draw a telephone, an ink pen, and a brick wall better than they can, you're not going to get the job. You have to be good at all of it. And I really didn't have the interest in the minutia of it. I just, some, it, it, it's, that threw me off the path. And also just the fact that I looked at it and I was like, man, there's so few jobs. It's not a realistic dream. And I pursued other unrealistic dreams after that. But let's say, for the sake of conversation, I had not been deterred. I had not read that interview or whatever. Uh, and there maybe there had been other things in my environment that helped me uh, you know, soldier on. So there's a guy named Andy Park who works for Marvel. And he does, um, he does all of the costume design when they translate the characters from the comic books to the movies. And he does, and I follow him on Instagram, and it's amazing because he'll post the four or five or seven different attempts to des- redesign these costumes using real materials, and he'll do it all digitally and, and different looks and different lighting and how it's going to look on film versus how it looks on the page. And it's an incredible way to go about it. But he's, he's really the director. He's one guy who's on a huge team. but So there's there's that kind of whole thing that came, this whole wave of Marvel movies that is an industry in and of itself for all of these artists. You don't just have to draw the comic book. If you're an artist and you love these characters, there are lots of necessary positions in the pipeline now. But it's not even just that. Comic books are so big, the merchandising is everywhere. It's if I, when I was a kid, if I could have gotten all these lunch boxes and backpacks and posters, <laughs> you go to Hobby Lobby and there's Marvel shit everywhere to hang on your wall. These cool ass mirrors with like all we the have Avengers. created for our children the world that wished that we wished we had. Completely, it came to fruition. And what I think about when I see all this these products, like oh, commercial artist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you totally could have been drawn just guys in co- in costume. And if, if I had put in all like every night that I was like just slamming Red Bulls and five hour energy at Walgreens to shuffle boxes around for somebody else to exploit my labor and underpay me and pocket all the rest, I'd taken all that time and heart and effort, blood, sweat, and tears, whatnot, and put it into drawing the telephone better than that other guy can draw the telephone. And learning the ZBrush tools and learning Photoshop and learning digital art, if I just put my heart there and not faltered, not flinched, who knows? Maybe my life would be something different. So this is post-Walgreens, Fabian. Um, Have you ever, and you've got projects in mind, you've got things you want to do, but have you ever put the amount of effort into a personal project that you put into Walgreens? No, and here's the problem. I need to create an imaginary friend. 
I, I need someone to answer to uh, that will hold me accountable that I can't lie to. And I've, I was like, who was it? I was listening to something just the other day, and they said something similar to this. And I've thought about this, of just coming up with like, what if I had this, like a, um, like I'm like an imaginary, a devil th- on your shoulder. Yeah, kind of even if it was a journal that I had to answer to, whatever, like whatever works. I haven't, I haven't figured solved the problem. What's really gonna work for me? But what did work? was when I had a meaningful, gainful relationship with someone I respected who I saw put in work, and I had to live up to that. It motivated me. And in times whenever I've been in on projects with other people, the most motivating thing is when I see somebody show up early, they show up, they show out, they put in the work, they finish it, they turn it, nothing. You make, are welcome. <laughs> it's that, Oh, I'm, I'm making reference here. Yeah. And <laughs> what, the most demotivating thing is when somebody shows up just to be there, just to say that, oh, I'm in a band, or oh yeah, I I I, I did a short film, and, yeah, I've done I've done this. Fuck you, and I have dealt with countless of those quote unquote creatives or artists, and they're just people that want to have a, something they can reference later, and I'm so t- I'm at least I can see it a little bit better now, and at least it doesn't shake me as much because before. A whole project would just collapse. Like we had done this short film that was really cool. And we got halfway through, and the dude, um, who was the main character, just didn't show up for the second half of it. He like he lost interest. Yeah. Well, no, he got scared because it was kind of oh. kind of a taboo, uh, touchy, weird, like topic. And um, a friend of mine had written the the storyline. It was really crazy. It was kind of a what, what's his name, Divine um, Pink Flamingos. He's like a white trash Vincent Price. Uh, oh, man, I can totally see his weird face. He said, don't fuck people that don't read books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, wow, that's good advice. I don't even know who this guy is. And I'm like, yeah, that's good advice. Uh, but anyway, um, it was it was kind of a weird movie anyway. And I guess halfway through, he just like, just he just didn't even answer his phone. That was the fucked up thing. He could have said, hey, man, I'm not into this. This is not really... I'm nervous now. He could have just said that, but he bounced out. Um, but I'm tired of those people. Like that stuff like that completely demotivates me and makes me feel like ah, uh, it uh, makes me feel like if I'm associated with these people, I must be one of these people, birds of a feather. And right. how did I get into this fucking flock? Um, but it can be completely different if I have to meet someone else's standard. That makes it and that's kind of fucked up. Don't don't you think that's kind of fucked up? Like, I've I've had creative projects since leaving Walgreens that I've completely put by the wayside. Like, I had a whole uh, video series in mind that I've just lost the motivation to do because I'm not answerable to somebody. What does that mean about me? Like, because I don't have somebody breathing down my neck, I can't do it. I can't do it because it's just something that I want to do. Like I said, what does that mean about who I am? Right. I, I, I wish there was a better word for this. I need a better word. But I, I always refer to it as like a yin-yang thing. Because like, it is kind of a dark thing to have to reflect upon about yourself and your capabilities and how much you're you know lying to yourself or cheating yourself. But the flip side of it is that um, the, it's the redemptive quality of community. Because people in a crowd can either be a mob or 
they can accomplish things that they would never accomplish individually. And have you ever seen have you ever seen that video of the guy who is getting on like a subway or something or he's getting on a train and he one foot slips down between the train and the the concrete platform and he's stuck there. He can't get out. And then the the, the video cuts to like all of the passengers have deboarded from the train and are pushing this 20 ton train as like they're all working together to push this train so that the guy can get his foot out. <laughs> wow, I have not seen that. That's awesome. It's fantastic. But can, can you imagine being the first guy who's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm getting off this train and I'm going to start pushing. Yes. That is oh, that is the focal point. That is the story to tell. That's awesome. Like how how do I how do I do that? I, I without somebody goading me or motivating me how how why can i not be motivated by my own desires but i can fucking sweat blood for walgreens yeah this morning like, what uh, what is that disconnect why why am i like this i got up this morning at uh 5 a.m because i had to be somewhere i had a job to do and um i love i love running and i was running for uh, a couple months and uh whenever daylight savings time came uh, and changed so it got dark at like 5 p.m. or whatever uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it immediately killed it because I couldn't figure out where in my schedule to go running except for in the morning but at 7 a.m. I wake my uh, my schedule was to wake my kids up and then I, I know, then I'm cooking breakfast I'm doing uh, my son used to be in pre-k but we pulled him out for COVID so I'm doing all of his lessons then I go to work it's all of these different pieces I couldn't figure out where to bake back in this hour to run. And I was talking it over with a friend of mine. He's like, how about in the morning? I was like, I just can't make myself wake up for my own purposes in the morning. But if I have to be at a job, I can get up at 5, 4.30 in the morning, 3 in the morning, as long as it's yeah. not for me. If, if there's an expectation that somebody else has laid on you, like if there's some duty that you've assumed, you can do it. But for yourself, fuck it. Like if it's for, if it's for me, then I can skip it. You know what you I know? You know what I need? I figured it out. What do you need? What Je- do you need? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Oh my God! I think you. I think you cracked the code. Like I said, we need reli- I, We need Jesus. I need an imaginary friend. I told you. I, it's it's what it is. It is what it is. We motherfuckers need Jesus. <laughs> is that a goddamn gallows <laughs> reference? I have no idea what oh, okay. that's a reference. Like, just y'all motherfuckers need Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. There's a song you just quoted by accident. It's cosmic. Um, oh, nice. So, okay, so we today we've re- we've reflected pretty intensely on yeah. the Christmas spirit. Uh, this what is the ghost of Christmas be like past. At Walgreens. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the ghost of Christmas present. Like, what life would like be like if we were still there? Um, what is uh? Well, do you want to talk about what your Christmas life is now? Man, that's an even bigger piece. So I will actually oh, pass okay. on that at the moment. I may tell you off the okay. air. Uh, the last couple <laughs> of years have been pretty interesting. Uh, the present oh. present moment being even more. It's a whole episode to even talk about that. Um, but yes, yes, we'll we'll pass on Christmas present for now. So for our our next episode, um, what should we do? Do we have a plan? I like to have a plan. Well. I mean, for our next episode, we could do the Blade Runner idea. Yes, that's the plan. So what's, okay. what's, what is the plan? What are we going to do? How's it work? 
Okay, so for our next episode, uh, because Blade Runner is my favorite movie ever, um, and I could spend more time talking about the movie than actually watching the movie, I was thinking, uh, and you've never seen Blade Runner, I was thinking, you watch Blade Runner, I'll watch it again, uh, and then right after we watch the movie, we come together and I talk for two hours about the movie. And, 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 you and, I, and, I, should, and, and I should talk the movie, because I've, I've only heard bad things. What? I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Hold on. Hold up. Hold up. At one point, I had that outro thing about like uh, uh, lost, about like to tears, throw hands. like like tears and rain. At one point, I did have that memorized just because it seemed essential to know. Oh yeah, like one day these moments will be lost like tears in the rain because he does that little gaspy thing as he's. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I've only seen it in text. Considering I start my holiday vacation uh, tomorrow. I will I'll pull it up. I'll find where I can stream it or rent it and uh, enjoy it. And then we will reconvene uh, in the future, Corn. I appreciate your time okay. today. There is there's one thing. You, so whenever you pull up the movie, because there's like four different fucking versions. Oh. Um, when you pull it up, just look up the director's cut. Oh.